0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines. Delta has partnered with 55 academic institutions to create a pipeline of the next generation of pilots and technicians. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, December 4th. In today's news... The Bush family promises President Trump that he won't be criticized at George H.W. Bush's funeral. A government shutdown is averted, at least for two weeks. And Bob Mueller is poised to submit three revealing sentencing memos this week. But first, the big idea. After being defeated at the ballot box last month, Republicans in Wisconsin and Michigan are seeking to deny Democrats full control of state governments in a lame-duck power grab. In a scene reminiscent of the protests against the anti-union push by Wisconsin Republican Governor Scott Walker eight years ago, demonstrators rallied at the state capitol in Madison Monday night and repeatedly spoke out during a hearing on the GOP legislative package, which was introduced late Friday, passed out of committee after midnight this morning, and is expected to come up for a vote as early as this afternoon. The moves in both states have drawn comparisons to Republican efforts in North Carolina two years ago, when lawmakers pushed through legislation limiting the authority of the state's Democratic governor-elect, triggering a legal battle that resulted in a loss for the Republicans. In Wisconsin, the far-reaching proposal by GOP lawmakers would weaken the authority of the governor-elect, Democrat Tony Evers, and state attorney general-elect Josh Call, both unseated Republican opponents, in the election. Walker signaled last night that he'll sign whatever the legislature passes and defended their right to pass such bills. He said, quote, Members of the legislature were elected not to a term that ends on election day. They were elected to a term that ends in January, just like my term ends in January. Evers is threatening to go to court to try to block the GOP efforts. Among the more controversial parts of the plan are provisions that would limit early voting, which has helped Democrats, restrict Evers' ability to make appointments, and move the Wisconsin 2020 presidential primary to March, a shift that by lessening the turnout for the April 2020 state Supreme Court election would likely boost the chances of conservative judges. The plan would also take away from the governor the power to withdraw the state from a lawsuit, allowing lawmakers to make that decision instead. This proposal is clearly aimed at ensuring that Wisconsin remains part of the 20-state Republican challenge to overturn the Affordable Care Act. In Michigan, where Democrats last month won the governor's mansion as well as the races for Attorney General and Secretary of State, Republicans introduced measures last week that would water down the authority of those officeholders on campaign finance oversight and other legal matters. In Wisconsin back in 2011, 14 Democratic state senators left town to prevent a quorum that could vote on a budget bill which ended collective bargaining rights for most public sector unions. That tool is not available to Democrats in Madison right now because the Republican rules package under consideration does not substantially affect the state's spending. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one. The Bush family is going out of its way to avoid anti-Trump tension during George H.W. Bush's memorial service tomorrow. The Bush family contacted the White House over the summer to say that Trump would be welcome at the funeral, which will be at the National Cathedral. They wanted to assure him that the focus during the ceremony will be on Bush's life rather than past disagreements. This truce with Trump allows the family and the nation to honor the legacy of a president who guided the United States through the 1991 Gulf War, and the breakup of the Soviet Union without becoming mired in today's toxic politics. Trump, in turn, has been effusive in his praise for Bush since he died Friday night. While Trump will not get a speaking role at the ceremony, he will be seated in the front row alongside former presidents Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, and Jimmy Carter. George W. Bush will deliver a eulogy. But neither he nor the other eulogists, former Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, former Senator Alan Simpson, and presidential historian John Meacham, who wrote a biography of Bush, are expected to focus on the stark differences between the genteel and patrician Bush and the bombastic Trump. Three current and former administration officials tell us that there was deep frustration in the White House over the anti-Trump tenor of the September 1st funeral for John McCain, which Trump did not attend at the request of the McCain family. One senior administration official tells my colleague Josh Dossie that Trump's reaction to the criticism was, quote, almost paralyzing for a week inside the White House. Officials have been assured Bush's funeral will be different. Bush's body arrived yesterday afternoon at the U.S. Capitol to lie in state. As the sky grew pink and the U.S. Army band played hymns, an eight-man military team of pallbearers carried the casket up the long flight of stairs at the Eastern Front, Inside, the casket was placed on the same pine board covered in black fabric that held the coffin of Abraham Lincoln after he was assassinated in 1865. 180 feet above, in the eye of the rotunda, was the 1851 fresco depicting the exaltation of the nation's first president, George Washington. Scores of dignitaries and legislators were gathered, and they were unanimous in their praise. Trump and First Lady Melania Trump arrived about 8.30 p.m., a couple hours after the ceremony. They bowed their heads in silent meditation. Trump saluted the former president, and then the first couple left. Number two, Congress plans to pass a short-term funding bill this week to delay a fight over Trump's border wall until December 21st. The Republican-controlled Congress hoped to strike a spending deal with Democrats before the end of the week, even as Trump's demand for $5 billion to fund his proposed border wall raised the prospect of at least a partial shutdown. But Bush's funeral shifted the focus in Washington away from funding talks. Trump was set to meet with Senate and House Democratic leaders Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi respectively on Tuesday morning to discuss government funding, but they've delayed that until next week now. Trump, though, is showing signs that he wants to woo congressional Democrats in hopes of passing some bipartisan legislation next year to help his 2020 re-election hopes. His charm offensive was on display Monday when he hosted West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin, who just got re-elected at the White House for a meeting that the two had spent several days trying to schedule. Trump's top aides have also been a regular presence on Capitol Hill in recent weeks, discussing legislative goals even as Democrats begin plotting investigations into an administration they argue has escaped serious congressional scrutiny. The overtures are a signal that Trump and his White House are at least feeling out, whether the self-professed dealmaker can find some common ground, even as he faces pressure from his right to keep the opposition party at arm's length. Number three, Bob Mueller's team of prosecutors have implied that their investigation is nearing its end. Mueller's team told defense lawyers in recent weeks that they are tying up loose ends in their investigation, providing the clearest clues yet that it may be coming to its climax, potentially in the next few weeks, according to Yahoo's Mike Isakoff. The new information about the state of Mueller's investigation comes during a pivotal week when the special counsel's team is going to file memos with the court about three of their most high-profile defendants, former Trump National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort, and former Trump personal lawyer Michael Cohen. A Flynn sentencing memo is due Tuesday, today, and memos about Manafort and Cohen are due by Friday. All three documents are expected to yield significant new details about what cooperation, if any, the three of them provided in the Russia investigation. The president attracted criticism yesterday for demanding on Twitter that Cohen, his longtime fixer, serve a, quote, full and complete sentence after flipping on him. Trump praised his longtime confidant, Roger Stone, for saying he would never testify against him in court. Several legal experts argue that the president's tweets constitute obstruction of justice and witness tampering. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, December 4th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The Washington Post has a new daily podcast, Post Reports, hosted by me, Martine Powers. Every weekday afternoon, we're bringing you stories about the state of the country, the world, and how we come to know the things we know. Get it now at washingtonpost.com/postreports.